Hello and welcome to this week's Stats Morning Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. And not John Wick. Because why, Ted? Uh, I, I didn't have time to watch it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have watched John Wick 3. It, uh, it's still it's still on the list. I'll, I'll get there. I just needed a little more time. <laughs> this is the first week where kids start school, and so life has been absolute chaos. For those of, for those of us who are looking forward to John Wick 3 reviews, and those of us who've spent many hours considering what they might say about <laughs> it. so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to have to wait for another time. I don't think you've got any other pop culture things that we can bring in as off the bench. I don't know, Ted. Is there anything? No, nah, I think I, I think our, our bench is notably thin, which is kind of one of our points recently. <laughs> bench is a bit thin, yeah. But that means, you know, you get about 45 seconds of guff before the actual chat starts. So some some listeners will probably be quite pleased about that. Uh, others may not be. Anyway, um, yeah, what we're going to talk about today, uh, Man United, North London Derby, Barcelona and some transfers is my list. So hopefully we'll get through all of those things to some varying degree. Uh, where would you like to start, Ted? Uh, let's start with the the most controversial sort of take team in the league right now, which does seem to be Manchester United. It's funny, isn't it? They um, they look like they've started badly because they've got some kind of mediocre results, but like it's, it's not that bad i mean they've got had some penalties and they've missed them which kind of like you know potentially skews outcomes in uh, so, certainly impacts the results especially in close <laughs> matches yes yeah 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 but <laughs> like penalties kids but like you know the, well, the kind of notable thing is like at the moment is their expected goals against looks quite good four games playing a lot of defensive behind teams like Wolves, Palace and Southampton are not exactly electric attacks and Chelsea Chelsea got some stuff going but didn't couldn't, you know, convert in their first game. So it probably is a little bit of a kind of uh early season skew. Um but yeah, I mean the, the the narrative the narrative, you know, is generally like, oh man United, same old, same old and there's just that kind of like small hint amongst it that makes you think like, well maybe, maybe they're actually like okay this season I don't, I'm not reluctant to heap any praise in their direction right now but um, I wanted to look at uh, you know a little deeper on on a lot of things here which is like they've taken a lot of garbage shots <laughs> I'm not yeah. like, they, are, they are taking almost 16 shots a game or something like that but there's a lot of ones that are that are from outside the box and and nonsense um that you know you almost kind of discount those yeah they could go in but especially those you know from 20 yards and wide like good luck with that um, <laughs> yeah uh, and they they still have the 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 desiccated corpse of Nemanja Matic out there uh, at times. It, it's it's not a great squad. You know, it's 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 got certainly some quality in it. And defensively, they've been fine. But the, defensively, they've been fine against teams that aren't really attacking. Like we talked about last week, I think how boring Wolves are. You know, Southampton try and had a red card uh, at one point, uh, and they've, these they've had penalties, which has cost them. But I wanted to dig into the the numbers partly to see like you know where they look at versus the rest of the league, which is okay, like the best defense. But again, you know, adjust for opponents. Uh, but then you you kind of dug into recent seasons as well, which I think is also another good metric that that often gets lost. Yeah, I had to I had a very quick look at this because I've it's been I'll tell you what's been bugging me like just the, the four game takes around the world like you know just like right this is what we think and it's like right no come on look the four game take is is like something you should be extremely cautious with and you know if you could find con 
text anywhere then that's probably quite useful and um so like, i kind of literally all i did was like put together like their um the premier league kind of like expected goals and like general goal difference for the first four games of the last couple of seasons and like it's interesting because like man united's last season um like, was it Mourinho's second season? They had a really flying start. They won their first four games, and their, and their expected goals were like look, look really good at that point. That was the season that they ended up finishing second, and their you know their their expected goals didn't look so good as time went on. Um, didn't they start out against like Swansea or something and tonk them like four 0 Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I don't recall the results exactly, but I think you know they had like you know some kind of, kind of favourable schedules to start with, and and this is this is the other huge factor within like you know kind of early takes is uh, schedule can can make a big difference. We've said this last week. I think we were talking about you know if you played Man City, if you played Leeds, then or, you know, or if you played Bolton in that league, then you know real skews going on. But generally, after four games, uh, you know, seventeen eighteen. Uh, my not expected goal difference was like over six with 10 actual goal difference um, not non-penalty goal difference last season it was three with a minus two goal difference and this season it's two and a half with a two goal difference so basically through four games Man United's kind of uh, expected goals is basically the same as last season and mm-hmm. last season wasn't great uh, that in and of itself over four games is fine. Uh, it looks like it's coming mainly from the defensive side so far against the, teams. The attack is not exciting. And no, the attack no. is not exciting for the reason I pointed out a moment ago, which is that the shots are not great. Like They get some good ones, and Dan James is, and, and Marcial, and they have some pace up front. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not... <laughs> well, I mean, where are they at? They're, they're sandwiched between Arsenal, who you would definitely say have not been great, uh, an attack and North City and Southampton. So they're basically, I think they're eighth in the table in expected goals or something like that uh, in, in attack. Now, they're first in, in expected goals against, but again, you know, quality of competition is there. To give a comparison, Manchester United are 1.32 in non-penalty XG and Manchester City are double that. Yeah. <laughs> like and, literally double that. And what's you know what's the? It's become painfully apparent in the first first few weeks of the season that like you know what Man United didn't do. Like, everyone everyone was well aware that they didn't buy a central midfielder, which you felt like that was you know kind of obvious thing to do, especially given Herrera going and even Fellaini going like you know months before. But the one thing they didn't do was buy a forward. Uh, or even a, or even a striker rather than a forward um, to replace Lukaku. Obviously, Sanchez went out as well. So you've got this weird situation where you've got kind of like Rashford and Martial, who are both kind of like, I guess, kind of in betweeny kind of like forward attacker uh, types. Maybe Rashford or Martial can play centre forward long term, but you haven't got what feels like you know a, a traditional kind of poacher type in in the squad i guess mason greenwood is his hope that he could be that but he's 17 years old so i i've had a quick talk about this in the office yesterday and I, I think my thought is like even if they didn't want to like you know invest like a huge amount of money like they did in lukaku or something even a loan somewhere just just to just to build you know to have someone in you know that they can rely on or bring in um you know while they develop maybe greenwood or you know hope that dan james comes forward as, as a kind of like an attacking force although obviously he's not gonna be a striker striker moro cardi yeah i just don't know why they haven't done. yeah maybe that maybe yeah <laughs> maybe there's question marks as to whether that would have been the choice but one, one is like paris fine manchester fuck off <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know that's a very fair point and that's that's becoming becoming apparent that like man united do look a little bit light up front and uh that, that'll be interesting because obviously 
even through this small amount of games, like it looks like you know finishing woes could be could be an issue. They scored the four against uh, Chelsea, and uh, finishing woes very much not on display there. But then since then they they've struggled to kind of like uh, convert like certainly shot volume and. Um, yeah, probably just like chance quality, like just get getting those kind of shots, good central shots. Is if you haven't got a, a kind of poacher striker, then you know maybe that's an issue that they're going to struggle with. So kind of interesting stuff, I think. Man United early days, but like basically no clear in answering the question of are they good or not. I'm still leaning towards not that good, but um... <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go on to two other teams that have looked not that good right now. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. North London derby, which was... how much did you enjoy this game? Not much, really. I, I enjoyed the first half when it felt. Yeah, I felt like you think. <laughs> I thought Tottenham edged it, and and obviously the result was looking in their favour. And then the second half was. I don't know if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be quite pleased at the end of it because the second half was mainly one-way traffic, and uh, kind of uh, Tottenham limped over the line and held. I thought that draw. last ten minutes was terrifying, and I thought Spurs looked a little better in in counterattack actually. So I. I disagree a bit on that. Like there were, there was like a good thirty-five, and then like absolute chaos in the last ten. Yeah, okay. I might have, I, I, I might have just blanked that from my mind. I think when Lo Celso came on, he he looked like he was a bit, you know, could just just hold the ball in midfield and just like right, I can just control something, which no one else seemed to be able to do in the whole in the whole match. It was just, it was. I think I said, I can't remember who I said it to. I said it was like two guys just hitting at each other over the head with rubber mallets or something yeah it's it like just... a mickey mickey ward fight <laughs> it obviously another like recent boxing uh <laughs> reference there but uh Ceballos was absolutely shattered at the end of it like there were there was like supposed to be an attack in the in the last five minutes and he's like you could see him just like picking up his body with his mind and wanting to move it yeah so it's okay i think uh what was it was there there was a review someone wrote a review of it and it might have been Jonathan Liu and it said you know Kane kind of like you know collapsed to the ground having given his all kind of thing at, at the end of it um, to relatively little effect but yeah I mean t- t- real weird stuff with Tottenham right now you know they've, they've the t- t- Arsenal away and Man City away are t- you know tough tough fixtures in the, in the context of the season but they've given up so many shots they gave up 30 odd against uh, uh, Man City and 26 versus Tottenham and like you know decent quality shots as in amongst that huge volume as well and uh, this you know this is something that was slightly worrying about Tottenham last season their inability to kind of like shut the door and uh, you know the poorest midfield and the thing is uh, it was basically like you know the 18-19 midfield out there again with you know Winks and Sissoko and um, kind of Ericsson adjacent Um the new players and Don has been injured, um, which is not good to see. Los Celso hasn't been uh, integrated properly yet. He's had a couple of sub minutes, so yeah, it was it was all a bit kind of like his last season's problems in in a nutshell in one match. Um, and hopefully, we get some new players on the pitch, uh, pretty smartish, and attempt to solve that. Um, yeah, I think the thing that made Spurs like really interesting is is their press uh, and Pochettino in the in the Premier League also like press is good, and we yeah I think seventeen eighteen was the last time that we saw like a consistent press. Now there are personnel reasons for that, but nevertheless I'm I'm curious like it feels like that needs to switch. Otherwise, these games are going to be more more loopy and more open than than Spurs probably want. 
There, yeah, there was so much space in midfield, wasn't there? At times, like you know, I, I think first half I noted that Tottenham kept just passing behind Arsenal's midfield and finding space, and uh, then you know, did you use air quotes there? Arsenal's midfield, <laughs> and then and then the same thing kind of happens, you know, as the game wore on uh, against Tottenham, and uh, I people thought Winks did well. I don't know. I it's, it's still a vulnerable spot for me, and um, you know, he d- he does what he does quite well, but I don't know. I mean, I guess there isn't the, the gritty midfielder in in Tottenham's kind of. Um, they just haven't really got someone who who can who can just slam the door shut. I'm um, not a huge fan of Merce, uh, but he had a good point in that Arsenal seemed to have like three holding midfielders. I don't think Guendouzi is, but uh, he was pointing that Arsenal generally play often with three holdings, which is Guendouzi, uh, Torreira, and Shaka, and yet the teams just cut through them. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, this is this is valid. This, this it feels right, and I don't know why this is. Like, I could probably look at it if I really wanted to, but I don't need that pain, James. Like, I I would prefer to watch things like John Wick three. <laughs> All right, here's here's an interesting one. What's your early report card on Nicholas Pepe? What do you think of him so far? Uh, slightly frustrated groan. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what grade that is, but that's. Uh, um, so, passing in the final third absolutely driving me crazy, and yeah. uh, it's it hasn't been good. Um, you know, pretty good dribble. You could see the things that he does well, but also like I'm I'm waiting for those those moments of eliteness that that have been alleged yeah. to occur, and not seeing it yet. And you know, it's it's early, so I'm I'm not giving like any sort of final judgment. But, you know, this so far, I, I don't think there's any reason to be super excited by it. And you know, there have been some difficult opponents, right? Like Arsenal's schedule, like Spurs, quite difficult in facing two of the, the top three um, right away. The Spurs faced City and, okay, Arsenal are not the top three. But nevertheless, leave me alone. Yeah, um, no, no. <laughs> no, it's a no giant, yeah. Yeah, no, I think Pepe Pepe's in, intriguing. I think that was the first. The first, I mean, I watched him against Liverpool last week, but the Liverpool had so much of the ball, I didn't really register much apart from the you know, couple of shots he had. Um, this week, I feel yeah, it felt, felt like he was a little bit frustrating. I don't know, you know, as, as a Tottenham fan watching Tottenham Arsenal matches, like the amount of times Sanchez or Ozil would line up, and even going back years, like someone like Nasri would be in the team, and you'd just be like. I don't know. You just fear what they could do because you know they they were clearly top class players. And Arsenal I, I do not attack like they used to. It's no. it's not it's not even close. And this was my worry when Emery was hired, and nothing has changed. And I think they've unwound some of the the habits from Wenger. And you're also missing that type of player. Like Ceballos, I think would be quite interesting, but you don't have Ozil. Um, so like there's just like that that element of magic in the final third that is not there, and it causes them problems. And you know, I I loved that that bit i think all arsenal fans did and while the defense under wenger was it, it gradually deteriorated got worse like i think some bad strategic choices were made uh and obviously the the squad is is a little bit challenging uh, the the thing that made you tune in was that attack and now this attack is is gone like there's i feel like there are almost no remnants of it left yeah it's a bit more brute force isn't it and yeah, like I say, I'm not going to brag too hard on Pepe. You know, within like four games of him arriving, but yeah, it just—I don't know—just decision making. It doesn't feel like he's got like elite decision making in his locker, and that means that means he's really got to actually convert a lot of chances to kind of make up for that. So you know, if he can create goals and score goals, then you'll forgive occasional. Uh, 
slightly wonky decisions, I think. So bit sure, of pressure and, and on we'll, him to do that. We'll learn more as the season goes on and they, they face easier teams and you know, what is he what does he look like against your average Premier League defender? As yeah, opposed yeah. to as opposed to Liverpool's guys and, and Spurs who yeah, as a as a team still defend generally pretty well maybe not this game <laughs> you know I mean, again like you know looking at four game samples you would have some concern as to like whether Tottenham's defence is uh, is what it used to be but again like you know this, this skew of two two away games at top, top six rivals that that turned into one was a demolition and the other one was just like an, a slugfest so um, de- defence yeah. is a good good time to a word to segue on though Let, let's let's segue to a defensive team that just happens to, you know, usually be a top or near the top of their league, Atletico Madrid, because the the stats profile on this one is. <laughs> You're excited by this, and I can see why this is great. I mean, we're going even smaller here. We're down into three games, but it's real fun. They won all their games, and again, lower lower kind of ranked teams in in the dominant league. wins, <laughs> but like. <laughs> averaging like under six shots a game and allowing six shots a game. Yeah, never seen it before, by the way. Real Madrid <laughs> currently with like almost 19 shots per game through three games. Atletico Madrid are atop the league. Six shots a game on average. Not conceded. This is an attack. <laughs> Fewer shots than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, look at their, their shot map and it's literally, they've had two shots from outside the box and then all the rest. Uh, a, couple, a couple wider in the box, nearly all the rest are just like good location shots, and uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's just really quite odd because like their expected goals aren't even that high, like three point seven. Uh, we've got them at, and they've scored five, and but yeah, just really really odd to see it, see a good good team like playing such. A, I I mean I feel I haven't watched them this season. I feel like I should watch Athletic Madrid this season and understand what's going on because. You know, teams don't go around with shot quality uh, <laughs> over any kind of uh, length of time, du- like double that of average, double like, more. Like, as a team, <laughs> shooting uh, shot quality is like 22% a shot. <laughs> You're like, huh. I'm, I am, I am in, entranced by this idea, though, because, like, surely, I mean, even if it's not Atletico Madrid, one day there will be a team with a, you know, a, a kooky kind of, like, uh, experimental manager who will be like only good shots for us only good don't shots. shoot unless you can see <laughs> the whites of their eyes yeah yeah and this this could be really amazing like one day one day there's bound to be somewhere someone somewhere that, that literally just says like you know you're you're I didn't didn't Al, Allardyce used to have a thing about like if you didn't hit the target from with a, with a shot from outside the box or something you'd get I don't know if you get fined or bollocks or whatever it was but yeah just like ideas around like just you only take the good shots I, I'm looking forward to that team existing let's hope I'd love it if it was Atletico Madrid this season that would be <laughs> that would be quite fun to go with the completely you know miserly defence alongside also uh, in in La Liga and Spain uh, there was a very very weird match over the weekend and and the funny thing is like the, the colours are similar enough that I posted the race chart and I was like <laughs> what and people were like oh yeah that, that makes perfect sense until they realized that in their brain had the colors for the team flipped yeah i think grace said that wasn't it? he's like oh yeah this is fine no <laughs> barcelona didn't take a shot in the last what was it 25 minutes of a, an away match that they're drawing 2-2 at osasuna yeah so like, they they had what a one goal lead and then osasuna scored late in in the 80th or whatever but i've, oh, I've yeah. never never seen like barcelona just 
not take a shot for for somewhat you know 30 the last 30 minutes of a match especially in La Liga you know you might think okay we're just gonna kill the whole thing because we've got a lead late in a Champions League tie away or something sure but this is against the mighty Osasuna I'll tell you what though this is this has been going on longer than you think. Um, yeah. Like uh, going back a year or so, they had a bunch of they had a handful of these away games where they just created nothing. Like have like seven or eight shots. Uh, you know, they drew a game or two against kind of like weaker opposition, and it's just so opposite to what you expect from a Barcelona team. I mean, I get this is. I don't know what Valverde's doing like you know the way he's setting up is just like kind of limiting their kind of effect, attacking effectiveness and the idea oh there's no Messi but it's like there's good players here this, they should be doing better than this you know it's, it's an uh, odd sort one. of let, let, let's, let's, let's talk about that point there were eight shots they were taken by Sergio Roberto Jordi Alba you know those names Carlos <laughs> Perez mm. yeah Anusman Fatih yeah. Carlos Perez Carlos Perez Anusman Fatih and Artur those are a little less notable than, <laughs> than yeah. the usual names. Griezmann was on the pitch. So I don't know. He, he managed to not not get involved with the, the shots. Yeah, Griezmann, interesting. Cause he had a really good game the week before and, um, you know, obviously looks... And obviously Neymar saga has now ended with him not going back to Barcelona. So that, that kind of makes a little more sense from a, a, I don't know, a here and now perspective, I think. Um, it would have been odd for them to go and spend a load more money again on top. Although, but, but then this this matches there, so you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is it, and uh, you know, Suarez is going to need to be kind of um, put out to pasture eventually. Uh, Messi, Messi can do this till he's forty, probably, so you don't need to worry about about him so much. But yeah, it's an interesting kind of you know kooky early season game. I think it's this is before the first international break. Like you always get some weird games about about the place and. There's normally a promoted team in 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 whatever division, like beats a like a relatively fated team, and uh, you know everyone's like, oh, they're, they're they're a decent team, and you know six eight weeks later you come back and it's like they haven't won a match since. That was just some like weird freaky game. And um, Bournemouth, Watford, uh, so many of the the early runs for the first two international or before the second international break happened too. Um, so. I think like we should we should also mention that from like a business side perspective, the Premier League, despite the fact that it has actually been glorious as a fan, I, I I cannot stress how much I've enjoyed not having to read transfer rumors for the last three weeks. Um, <laughs> but the Premier League has decided that it is really killing them on on the transfer yeah. market, and and they're not going to end the the transfers early. They're going to align it with the rest of Europe again, which makes sense from a business perspective. But my God, it's just been it's been like somebody stopped smoking around you, and you've just <laughs> got all fresh air in the news about oh yes, football's back, and this is all we're talking about. This is lovely. Yeah. We're going to talk about transfers in a minute, but <laughs> I, I, I figured that was a good precursor for us segueing into transfers. <laughs> yeah, because there was there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of kind of uh, deals going on in Europe and t- players picking up loans and and whatever it was in late late. I think uh, I've, I've said this to you already, but like the thing that's the thing that's perplexed me most in these early weeks of the season is players playing for their teams and then being loaned out like a day later yeah so what's going on there like and Andre Silva started for Milan at the, at the weekend and then got loaned out like a, a day later wow uh, I didn't realize he started I yeah, you know, yeah. Katarian had a sub appearance right yeah and again I'm not sad like it feels like Mkhitaryan just stopped 
controlling the ball well at some point. And there were so many times in the in the first few matches of the season where like he went to pass the ball and it was just astray. And and you're like, but what happened to you? Someone need to hug you? Like you know, just control the ball like you used to. You used to be very good. And there's an ongoing argument like not only on on the internet but in our office as to like was that was his amazing Bundesliga season under Tuchel like a yeah. fluke? Was was Tuchel like the Mkhitaryan whisperer? Yeah, I know. I, that's the thing. I think, think at this distance now, you you can look at it and say like, yeah, because he was a good good player before then. He had that amazing season. You thought, wow, this this is a great player. And then now we haven't seen anything since. So yeah, well, jury's out really. Obviously, well, I'm, has, I'm has sure those first those first three four matches this season definitely made Roma think, hey, this guy can really improve our team. Yeah, <laughs> we, we should take him on loan. Well, yeah, and then off he went, and that was that. But yeah, it's just a shame for Mkhitaryan. I've kind of, I've kind of rooted for him to do do better than he has, and it just really hasn't worked out. I, that, I was a fan, and the, you know, I I was happy to support. Also, Monreal leaving made me sad, uh, and uh, a lot of the the Barcelona or Arsenal guys that have come through in recent years, I'm like somewhat indifferent toward uh, Licksteiner. I get to go back to hating, which is lovely. He had a red card in in the first two games or first couple matches of the season just as he usually does. Um, so hate that guy. But Monreal, absolutely love. And actually sad to see him go and thought that maybe Ar- Arsenal should keep him around at least to the break. But uh, he's gone to, to Basque country, which is a lovely place. Uh, not to be confused with Bat country, which is slightly less lovely uh, <laughs> and, and, and a little more chaotic. Uh, so yeah, he's gone though. And uh, you know, great time. Was quite excited when he came and joined Santi Cadola uh, at, at Arsenal and thought that you know, they, it was great to see those players there. I also miss Santi, and every time that Santi plays um, and I see highlights of him, I'm a little sad that he, he also isn't at Arsenal, but you know, he, he couldn't get healthy and then finally gets healthy in Spain again. Maybe it was the weather. <laughs> yeah, that certainly helps. I mean, just going to flip back there quick to Mkhitaryan, like, Emery relied on Mkhitaryan and Iwobi a lot last season. You know, when he was kind of, like, not picking Ozil and he was... Um yeah, you know, those guys were kind of like his his uh, you know flank forwardy type players for quite a lot of the season, and it's interesting that he just, he's essentially flipped both of them uh, so kind of readily and so quickly. I think Mkhitaryan's general performance or perce- people's perception of his performance mean that that's not a great surprise, and I remain hopeful that Iwobi can carve out a career for himself uh, and be a useful player. And of course, he scored his first goal at the weekend, but Hooray! yeah, it's in- interesting that. Um, uh, yeah, interesting that, that that kind of, you know, two players that he relied on quite heavily last season have already, already gone. He's obviously moved on to, you know, a different way of uh, playing. I guess that means Aubameyang is probably going to play quite a lot from the from the wide positions. Yeah. I, really like. I think it's such you, a waste of his, his <laughs> talents to, to me. It, it is. And, and again, this is Arsenal sort of making buys that don't quite fit uh, a sensible squad or a setup. If you're playing 3-5-2, maybe that's pretty interesting because then uh, Lacazette can drop deep and help set things up. But I think Aubameyang on the, on the weekend played wide for like the first 60 minutes or something like that. Zero mm. shots inside the box. And then... Uh, goes central and has three shots inside the box. Uh, yeah, including the absolute classic poachery Aubameyang finish. Uh, so just like, good. Just, just arriving in the right place at the right time and, you know, nothing anyone can do about that. And that's the thing. He's 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 across Europe. He's a guy that's always, when he was at Dortmund and his time at Arsenal, he's extremely high expected goals per shot, like almost consistently throughout, uh, scored reliably throughout. So, Jesus, stick him in the middle. What's, what's that all about? 
Yeah, it's messy, but like Lacazette actually helps the build up. So it's it's like a really weird situation. Um, I'll shut up now. Let's. So James has set up a lightning round here of <laughs> of decent or or notable transfers from <laughs> yeah. around Europe, and we're not going to dig into almost any of them. But we are going to just like say the name, where they went to, and then like any brief comment if you want. Okay then, so Hesse, PSG to Sporting on loan. Now, the, the reason this is notable is because he actually, he got a couple of minutes at the end also of the PSG's match, which was at the weekend, which was just like, why is <laughs> He's there? He's still there? Classic anyway, shop windowing. Yeah, <laughs> odd one. And uh, Sporting also picked up Balassi, so like, on loan from Everton. So a couple of interesting... Uh, I don't even have a, an opinion on that one. Like it's, I, 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 three years ago, I would have been like, yeah, you know, you're gambling that Hesse has his shit together and and he's ready to to play and and give some effort. And now I'm just like, mm, good luck, Sporting. I mean, I guess players do well in Portugal. They sh- yeah, I mean, they, this is it. They do just providing their fit and focus. They should, I mean, which is not always a thing with Hesse, but that they should be able to contribute for those teams. But interesting, like speaking of shit together. <laughs> or get your shit out of town Icardi yeah farmed, farmed out to PSG he's done quite well to land at PSG I think really because the, it, were there other takers were there good spots for him to land I don't, I don't know, know and, but man if you want to create a toxic situation and everybody <laughs> look over at, at a guy that was you know, pretty interesting and in high demand and suddenly you're like hmm okay not bringing that guy on board and that happens a lot like do what Icardi did yeah, and so so he's 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 gone to PSG, which would be interesting because presumably, I mean, he's still got Cavani, haven't they? I don't know how that works. Is this it's just just like is this maybe it's like Arsenal signing Aubameyang on top of Lacazette, similar kind of setup? But you know, you need good quality alternatives as well if you want to. Well, Cavani's know, not young, and I felt like they had yeah. no. Or I think they felt like they had no depth, and that academy's so good, but the the guys are still not seeing that many get into the first team. Maybe they don't have any strikers that are, are good enough. PSG also pulled in Keylor Navas um, from Real Madrid and Sergio Rico on loan. So a couple of keepers coming in like there, which uh, I guess makes sense from uh, Buffon uh, going back. And uh, Trapp Tra- Tra- went back as well, didn't he, to, to Germany. So I guess there's there was there's room to manoeuvre there for... Yeah, I guess so. Players. I thought Areola actually was pretty good, but I don't know. Like I, I haven't watched enough keeper stuff and we didn't see much areola last year so uh yeah i mean obviously it's psg just trying to fill in while the the madness of of their season like that so (laughs) i I think i talked last week about how insane those um those milan teams were back in the the mid 2010s largely because of personalities they would uh they would they had some combustible people in the first place and then they would sign some guys like for discounts thinking that they could you know, help their personalities and keep them focused on football. Uh, the Neymar saga by itself, like we saw rumble on throughout the summer, and it also felt like many of the players were tired of it. And you were reading media about internal stuff. I can't get into too many details here, but um, it, it'll be really interesting to watch. And I, I do hope that someone makes an Amazon documentary about the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have we got next? We've got a bunch of Falcao. Yeah, bunch of tra- bunch of loans and whatever to Galatasaray. Falcao was in- interesting. Finally leaves Monaco. Uh, went to Galatasaray on a free, and imagine he's thirty three. So I imagine that's a, you know the one last contract kind of thing. So that's, Retiring that's, to Turkey. That's that's fine. But then the other two that, that they picked up were, were interesting. Like Florin Andon uh, got sent off for Brighton a couple of weeks ago, uh, half an hour in, and it's like right. 
screw you, pal. You're off to Galatasaray. Yeah. So, yeah. real quite interesting, like, uh, set up there. Go, and then go the, straight to Turkey. Do not pass go. <laughs> do not collect $200. Yeah, and then the one that I think was most notable, because a year ago, everyone thought his tra- trajectory was, you know, completely opposite direction, I guess, was Mario Lamina, who got loaned out to Galatasaray. And oh, there was a lot of rumbling around, like, people hope, would have quite liked him in at Tottenham as, you know, a potential solution to their midfield problems. Um, and... I don't. I don't. I haven't really looked at this. I guess he, he must have just kind of like fallen out of favour. Like Hassan who or Southampton has actually moved players on quite quickly and and um, you know done some remedial work with his squad quite readily. So for whatever reason that uh, his his face hasn't fit there. But yeah, you feel like Galatasaray. Uh, you know the, the uh, again you probably get really well paid and it's it's not, not not the worst place in the world to rock up at. But it feels like it, it, when players in their peak you know he's 26 years old kind of like move out of the big five leagues it's it always kind of raises an eyebrow i think so i was, I was surprised that that's that's where he's rocked up yeah uh, same same for me and uh, went from juve to southampton now to gala I, I don't know what the story is behind that maybe uh maybe our, our friend down south uh carl anka will be able to, to fill us in at some point i also feel like these galatasaray ones i there's a there's an old account from the twitter days and he's one of our favorite cranks uh, of of the analytics community, uh, Dingo Sports and Dingo Sports, I believe, is a Gala fan. So I want to I want to get his opinion on this, and uh, maybe we'll check back. Yeah, you know, he's, he just bounces me off generally, and on well, exactly. <laughs> That's what he's there for. So so I don't know any serious opinions. Probably. But you made him into a Spurs fan, so <laughs> it's your he own was, fault. It's it's like our it. intern Alex giving James a hard time all the time. And, and Alex is a Manchester United fan, and Spurs have been remarkably good for their history, but not that Alex would necessarily remember how good Manchester United were, because he's that young. Uh, interns, everybody. Okay, so, Andre Silva, Milan to Frankfurt. Uh, slight yeah, surprise, um, but that was part of a swap. Yeah, a swap loan. Ravage went the other way. Yeah, it's a funny little swap loan. You just got the end, end, of, the, end of the window there. Okay, Frankfurt, they've lost, they've lost all of their... You know the impressive uh, forwards from last season now, so and and have replaced him with Bastos, and obviously Andre, Andre Silva's gone there. So, yeah, uh, I think maybe they're transitional right now. Like they had a really good set of seasons, they got a lot of money, and now they're just trying to figure out, like you know, let's get through the season, let's perform well, and then reinvest the 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 cash somehow. Uh, I actually like I really like Adi Hutter and as a coach, and we'll see what he does. But I think that Europa League campaign, like really it harmed how he would want to play because he just needed to maintain fitness much better. Uh, Milan also is like going to be fascinating this year. New coach, uh, new sporting director, old school Paolo Maldini, the guy who never tackled allegedly. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, also old school stats arguments, but the, the, I guess the definition of tackle was different when, when that uh, statement <laughs> was made. Um, but we were trying to work in the office to figure out how Milan were going to set up their, their squad and what's the most optimal way. And uh, I think it's sl- still slightly challenging, but they, they do look better than they were last year. And, and so, uh, Italy was insane to watch last year, in fact. Like, there were so many things going on, and they had a, a top-four race right to the end. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to watch more Serie A this year, which is not a thing that I usually say. But Yeah, Milan, Milan turned over quite a, lot of, uh, quite a lot of players and brought in some you know, quite interesting young talent. So they, 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 it's, it, is, it is, you know, piquing my interest a little bit, especially with Conte and Inter. Uh, and... 
Oh, Paul should mention Emery Chan not getting picked for Juventus's Champions League yeah. squad. So, <laughs> wow, how how far has that guy fallen in like, you know, in the space of, the space of eighteen months or something? That's I don't know. I don't, haven't haven't watched enough Juve to like comment to whether, whether he's done well or not. But man, you know, that's he's not old. His face clearly isn't fitting in Sarri's little world. And yeah, that's a that's a tough break. I imagine there'll be a few teams keeping an eye on his his uh, his status going forward because. You know, Chan pretty useful midfielder. So uh, yeah, and and then you come get, like, January, the, you get the funky exile of Azmir Begovic, who is is <laughs> actually quite a, a nice guy and and very insightful, but was not good for Bournemouth last year. And where has he gone? Yeah, Carabag. I think this is fascinating because, like, you know, the the, the conversation about like metrics and goalkeeping metrics and like. Uh, uh, repeatability and reliability all of these things is is you know, open to some debate which is is fine but fundamentally just from any kind of stats take of uh, Begovic last season he was not good and like in isolation it's like right you've had a very bad season and I just think it's quite interesting that Bournemouth have actually re- reacted very quickly to that and you know found him a new club or sold him on or whatever it is and <coughs> And I guess we've got goalkeeper such a kind of like such a core position, such a key position. Then maybe that's that's probably the smart thing to do. Just literally, right? We can't. I mean, Liverpool took too long to kind of, you know, move on Minule and and move on from him, and didn't really. They brought Carius in. I thought Carius was okay, but he, they didn't. They didn't really integrate Carius as their first choice, and Minule was kind of like playing as well at the time. And eventually they went with Allison. So like making decisive and swift decisions about keepers is. is Possibly, possibly uh, something that people people should think about a little bit more and and do. So I, I I'm quite intrigued to see that that Bournemouth have actually said like right yeah let's move on. So yeah, quickly. speaking of moving on, some some other Premier League blanks. Uh, Matteo Darmian, Manchester United to Parma, and and the the fee, the rumored fee is one point three million, which is basically just please take him, just please take my wife. Um, yeah. And, and not good, and and actually, I think like his his qualities in Italy were significantly overstated before he came in, and and you know just never quite performed to the level that it was, people it wanted. Was, yeah, it was a kind of odd signing. It's a bit like Zappa Costa um, at Chelsea. It's kind of like you couldn't really get your head around what what why the, you know these teams were spending like a quite large fees on these um, you know Italian fullbacks. Um, that were kind of like okay, they're they're fine, they're good good players, they're not great players. And Fer- Fernando Llorente was... taking his elbow to uh, Napoli. Yeah, no, it was, was sent off with goodwill from Spurs. I think. I mean, he's thirty four. <laughs> I think this is a contract thing. If if you know, if if he'd have, if he just wanted to play, you know, carry on at Spurs and be a be a good citizen backup guy, then that that would have probably been okay. But you know, he's on a free. He's thirty four. There, there's it's probably a case of pick your pick your best contracts. And Napoli's a great place to rock up, really. I mean, I was gonna say there there are certainly better climates out there. Yeah, I mean, like the and quality of team as well. You know, you, you can't begrudge him like taking a contract with them. Again, you know, someone who stayed in the in the big five leagues and a, a competitive uh, Champions League team as well. So, you know, he's 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 worked up the bits of useful play he put together last season into you know yet another kind of like contract into his dotage. Um, Teacher, Teacher's yeah. gone. Chicory, uh, yeah, over, over to Spain. The little million. P has has gone from West Ham. 
because they massively upgraded his position. Yeah. <laughs> and and over to Sevilla in in Monchi just hoovering up people for the last month. Like, yeah, and he's, he's like 13. He's did they? I didn't realize he's done so many players. Oh my word! Yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how he'll how he'll figure out that. He's 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 just a classic poacher, isn't he? I mean, he's 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 had a really rather successful career in the scheme of things. And again, at 31, it's probably probably a case of getting one decent contract. You imagine he might end up back in Mexico one day or something. But yeah, Mexico or or to MLS. Um, the question is yeah. like a, a level of his fitness, though, because uh, MLS is changing a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he was. He was pretty good at, at Leverkusen, and and you know a good. He, he reads things inside the box, so like he's never been, I think, a particularly great athlete. Uh, but he's he's got a very good sense of football smarts and timing. Like his timing was always really good back at Manchester United as well. Like he would just get in the right space at the right time, and and that's kind of always been his thing. And and West Ham, I think, you know, have have changed. Like we look at Pellegrini's style. You know, he's had much more cultured forwards over the years, including back at, at Manchester City. You know, he'd, he'd have Jeco as well as um, you know, Sergio Aguero and, and uh, whomever. So, yeah, I, I think that it was just it was time for him to move on as well. West Ham continuing to to kind of shave bits and bobs off of their um, off of their squad, like Bolasi from Everton going out. Like God, what a I, I you know some people are like well the knee injury cost him. Like man, that was not a good deal the first time around. Uh, and and you know it's it is is still interesting. Like I think the Premier League is is pretty smart overall compared to a lot of the the breadth of the European leagues right now in terms of figuring out how to run their squads better. They are you know the big money place, but they're they're getting up to speed and behind the scenes we're seeing things happen too. So um, yeah, I so we've come out with some intriguing things we've come out some, some with some moves that we're curious about and would love to see people report on more if you do that let us know and i think that's really it this week james we got I'll just, yeah i'll just put throw one quick quick idea towards it you know the premier league's uh, shut in their window the 8th of august or whatever it was um and we think to some degree that like they appear to be getting a little bit smarter maybe right with regards to deals now if they reopen it back to the 31st of august are we going to see a load of like crazy <laughs> unsuitable deals like going on in the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th of August? Where, as we've seen here, a bunch of kind of like uh, players without a venue have landed somewhere. Now, presumably, Premier League's open. Then uh, some of them, some of them will land back there again, and we can we can criticise them all again. Well, I, I just bring <laughs> out a big bag of popcorn if that happens. <laughs> it will, won't it? It will, because the agents will be like, right, <laughs> Christmas has come back. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay. So next week we are going to be reader powered. If you like to do things like that and ask us questions, we will eventually put out a post on social media where you can then ship us questions and that's it. Uh, don't forget, we still have courses open in London on October 10th for the introduction. And then we've got our kick-ass conference um, on the 11th at Stamford Bridge. Do buy tickets soon. Uh, to just make my life a little easier. <laughs> yeah, just uh, warning about questions. Please don't ask questions that will require six months research projects. To oh, ask. you can ask them. <laughs> People will ask them. They will. Okay. Uh, take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye.